Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we introduce our new season's theme, Resilience. And I, along with the guest co-host, will share how we remain resilient amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to inspire our listeners to continue to break through. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I'm so delighted to have the one and only Carrie Morrissey, the CEO and Creative Director of Italy NYC. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Damali. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, this is a delight. So Carrie, she has this amazing company, Isley NYC, and it's a jewelry and accessories brand founded in 2013. Over the years, Carrie's designs for Isley NYC have created iconic and trend-forward products that have defined and shifted global style. From her viral Sorry Not Sorry necklace to her avant-garde shaped glasses, Carrie's design aesthetic can be seen around the world on celebrities. Just throw a few out, uh, Beyonce, Missy Elliott, uh, Batty Winkle, Madonna, Violet Chachki, and Sasha Velour, many others. And, you know, I'm not a celebrity, but I just want to point out that I'm wearing my uh, Isley necklace. And I do have some of those fancy, amazing glasses and a few other choice pieces from the Isley NYC collection. And I also gift them because they're just amazing presents to gift. Her design aesthetic can be seen around the world and in magazines on fine retailers, as well as on her avid fan base. Carrie's activism also plays a huge part in her brand building. She raises funds, creates visibility, and she also celebrates queer BIPOC to such a significant level that her jewelry has become the signifier for LGBTQIA and BLM within the community. Carrie is a graduate of the DENYC and the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program, and she's the current president-elect of our 10KSB leadership team. Wow, Carrie, you have done it all, and we are so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you, it, it, sound, it feels good to hear these things said back to me, too. Well, you've earned it. And you know, it's one of those things that you should just take a moment to like listen to your accomplishments. You've earned it. You have earned it. And I I always like to start by telling our listeners how I know our guests. Carrie and I know each other because we were in the same cohort for the Goldman Sachs 10KSB program. Um, We had opportunities to get to know each other, to work together, to support each other's businesses. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, she's one of the most amazing, dynamic people I've ever met. So I'm so happy to have you here. And I look forward to our conversation, focus on the theme of resilience, especially as it relates to conflict and how you, your company, and even your industry have navigated you know, all of these things over the last 18 months. And the goal is to encourage and inspire our listeners to continue to break through. So, Carrie, you know, we know each other, so we'll have a company informal chat and it'll be free flowing. And our listeners should feel as if they're eavesdropping on a private conversation between two friends. I think we can handle that. What do you think? I think so. I think so. Excellent. So, Carrie, what, what do you want people to know about you? Describe yourself in six words. Okay. So, in six words, I am resilient, fun loving inspiring, 
a leader, joyful, and irreverent. Ooh, I love that list from resilient to irreverent. And so, you know, you chose some interesting words um, that I, I definitely believe and agree describe you for certain. So tell us a little bit more about why you're here. Like, how did you get into this field? How did you get here? Sure. So I was originally in corporate fashion um, for a bunch of years, and I really didn't find any personal satisfaction from it. Um, Really quite miserable. And I was part of a mass layoff um, in 2010. And over the next several years was trying out different kinds of ways to make my own path. And so by 2013, I had figured out Isley NYC. Um, I had started doing laser cut acrylic jewelry and was finding uh, a niche in a market that was pretty saturated with brass jewelry, gold jewelry, uh, demi fine, fine jewelry. And I found that there was not a lot of expression happening within costume jewelry that had any real point of view and really nothing in laser cutting. So I was able to start creating my own path. And I think that that's really what brings me personal satisfaction. So throughout time, that's really been my main focus. When I used to go to interviews for jobs, they'd say things like, where do you see yourself in five years? And my response would be, I want to be happy. I I see myself doing something that gives me joy and makes me happy. And none of them ever thought that was a good response. So they were like, you know, this is a a corporate job, right? I'd be like, yeah, so maybe this isn't, this isn't the right spot, but I still tried because I do feel it's good to try things to find out the answers. Um, But yeah, so uh, a quest for my own fulfillment has brought me here. I love that. A quest for your own fulfillment. And I also like that you answered the question in a way that was true to you, right? You want to be happy in five years. And yeah. so what that could mean is you want to be doing something that makes you happy. Yeah. And so I think it was kind of apropos that you found your passion um, for, for in fashion with acrylic cut jewelry and you saw a need in a saturated market that you could fulfill. Absolutely. And I think that's incredible. And, you know, your jewelry is amazing. I mean, again, I love it. Um, what I love about having my name is that you know, my name was never on the kind of, you know, charms or keychains you could just buy. Yes. <laughs> Nor was mine. Said, is, yeah, well, Carrie, yeah. But, well, you know, what's amazing Jamal, about yes, this yeah. I mean, I, it's the first time I've ever had my name on something and it's so meaningful. And so, you know, I'm really happy that you found an opportunity to share your gift with everyone and give people like me a chance to have their name (laughs) on their necklace. Your industry is fashion. Um, you, uh, you know, in, in your bio, I was, t- I was sharing some of the amazing things that you've done and, and individuals that you've worked with and some of the movements, um, that your jewelry has kind of come to, to, to signify, you know, from LGBTQIA to Black Lives Matter. And I think it's really profound to use your voice in this way, um, that the social justice movements weren't the only challenges that have kind of uh, arisen over the last few months to say last 18 months or so. Um, and so what I would love to know from you was, is what was your 
single biggest challenge in running your business or working in your industry throughout the pandemic? Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, it's been such a wild ride. Okay. So basically on March 13th of 2020, our brick and mortar store was closed at 5 PM. We were told at 11 AM that by 5 PM, it would be closed. I even just got chills right now. Just thinking of it. We had to then make a lot of really big moves that were, that were scary, such as I had to lay off half of my team immediately. Um, and I've never had to do something like that before. Um, and everyone was so nice about it. They were like, okay, thank you. You know, like, oh, it's okay. We'll figure it out. And so I was actually able to guide them through getting into, uh, unemployment right before the big, uh, kind of balloon of people going to try to get unemployment. So my team was actually, I was able to support them enough where they were able to get some government help from there. I then had to figure out how to create income because, uh, revenue, because, uh, we have an online store, but at the time of the shutdown, our Chelsea market location was making 95% of our revenue. So, um, and you know, we learn all the time, never have one revenue source, but it was still, you know, so unexpected and, um, exactly the reason why you shouldn't have one revenue source. I took about a month and a half off uh, I got COVID during that time and then had to figure out my family situation. And once we were kind of somewhat settled, I started really digging deeply into e-commerce and how do I uh, get people to buy us online and come and, and bring traffic in. And one of the difficulties there is the brand that I have we make a lot of stuff for festivals. We make a lot of stuff for going out, for performing drag or going to see drag or going uh, nightlife. Um, and all of these things completely shut down. So I had to create a whole new way of, of making content because a lot of our content had been coming from our customers and fan base wearing our stuff out. Uh, I had to get really good at taking photographs because I had no budget for a photographer. Um, and then I had to create a whole new strategy where I had, you know, $200,000 worth of made product sitting in my studio that I had to figure out how to move and do it in a way that was organized and strategic and made sense for my customers and not just throw all this stuff online and be like, okay, guys, like, you know, so it took uh, a few months and some gambles. I was able to get the P two rounds of PPP, which was, uh, which made us able to keep our, uh, two production employees, um, I'm so grateful to my employee, Joey, who has stood by the entire time. Um, they really believe in the brand. And I think also I've created a really enjoyable work environment. And so they do feel safe in the space and they enjoy coming to work. And I think that they've really worked hard for me to protect that stability for themselves as well. And 
They've been so trustworthy, which I've had to hire several different people, freelance people over this last 18 months who, you know, are good people, but maybe aren't the best fit. And so I'm fortunate to have had my stable right hand who's really been game for trying different things and, and going on, you know, making these, these decisions with me. Um, and also they're not afraid to speak up when they disagree. And I appreciate having someone to, to bounce ideas off like that. So then, yeah. So basically the hardest thing was figuring out how to create a revenue stream and how to communicate what we were about because it was so going out centric. And so then we had to say, well, no, also, you know, you can wear this stuff for yourself and we're all stuck inside, but, you know, maybe still put on a pair of jewelry, pair of earrings, and it just makes you feel a little bit better. So I think we became a little bit more of a support system which is a tenant of the brand and one of the values that we hold as a brand. So I think it was just saying, okay, so this part of the brand is taking a backseat. And then this part is, is coming forward and just defining those things more. Essentially the impact was um, thinking about how to continue the revenue stream, but how to also switch your focus, which you said was, you know, 95% of it came from a physical brick and mortar space yes. and you had to, you know, figure out how to, you know, focus more on your online presence. Yeah. A lot of, in the industry where you work, um, the industry was impacted. So a lot of your client base came from events and the event yes. space. And so I love hearing you say, you know, helping people to see that, it, these this, these items make you feel better. They can be used, you know, not just for going out and for like the event space, but also in your home and, and in many other ways, just having a different way to look at jewelry, especially at a time where people, um, I would say had a lot of, I continue to have a lot of hope, um, and, but also despair, right? Because yeah. there's a lot yeah. of things that we weren't able to control. And I love hearing that, you know, Italy did play a role and helping people to kind of, you know, reconnect with, you know, parts of themselves that may have been, um, you know, on the back burner during the pandemic, during the height of the pandemic. I also love hearing you say that, you know, you uh, also had to rely on your people, that you had to, you know, shift the way your employee base looked, and also giving some credit to Joey and how they helped you, you um, as your right hand person, you know, yeah. throughout this. Uh, so I just love hearing different facets of what you experience as a business owner. And you also mentioned trying to navigate your family life as well. And you said you also contracted COVID. So all these things are happening and you like that Elton John song are still standing, Carrie. So where does your resilience come from? You told me that was the first word you used when you said that, you know, when you described yourself with six words, you said resilient. So where does your resilience come from and how do you tap into it? I love this question so much. And I was so excited that this was the topic for today. Um, because I really credit my resilience and my ability to pivot as the main part of my success as a business owner. Um, I have a very high tolerance for taking risks. 
Is that is that the correct way to say that? I I, I I'm able to take risks. I'm I'm really I I'm willing to dive in and try something new. Um, and as a water sign, I use water as an analogy a lot, and I feel like my life is like surfing. And basically, you know, you're just trying to like ride the wave and the ocean is such a powerful beast and is so much stronger than any individual person. But we have the ability to stand on top of it and to to become one with it. And I feel like business ownership and life in general really, I mean, as the pandemic has shown us, throws a lot of things at you that you can't necessarily expect in the first place. Over the years of owning my business, there have been many decisions I've made and ways that I've had my business. So when I started in 2013, we were a wholesale business. We did trade shows. We had showrooms that we were in. We were, you know, going to do Paris trade shows in New York, trade shows and, and making a lot of gambles and spending a lot of money to create relationships with retailers that in a very volatile industry. So you would make a relationship with a buyer from like urban outfitters who would love my stuff and purchase a thousand pieces of something. And then they would change jobs. And then the next person would come in. I'd have no relationship with them and they really wouldn't care. And so there was a lot of that in a lot of these large retailers where there's no loyalty in the way that there might've been in the eighties and nineties, uh, because it's just a different industry and that's no one particular person's fault. It's literally just the way the industry has changed. With that being said, one of my first pivots was to, decide to become direct to consumer. So instead of going to trade shows, I started uh, doing more pop-ups and trying to create relationships directly with my customers and start to hear what they want from us more. From doing that, I was able to find that there was a lot of excitement from the LGBTQIA community. And it's something I'm a part of. And it's something that when I first started, I just kind of had a blanket, we're fashion, you know, we're jewelry. There was no kind of nuance to that description. There was no niche. And as my journey of owning this brand has continued, the thing that's been very important to me is to listen to my customers and have them tell me what they want. Because if I can give them what they want, then this will be successful. And so during the pandemic, to have to pivot again to online retail, it really was clear that although we have been celebratory and very active within um, the queer community for years, that what was needed, especially by June, July of, of last year, was people standing up for social justice in a way where it's not just like the things that we believe or the things that we would kind of do every once in a while, um, also because as a business owner, it is a luxury to be at a place where we can be giving back, right? Like we have to actually be able to fund this thing happening first. Um, otherwise, I'm an irresponsible business owner. And to do it in a way there, we have so many conversations in my studio throughout the years of 
hardships happening within the world and in with the, the country and say, having questions like, why do we make shiny things? Why do we, what are we doing here making pretty things? What is the value that we're adding to the world? And so having the opportunity to really bring that to the forefront of our platform and really trying to uplift, to celebrate, but to also raise funds for, bring visibility to, bring language and certain words that empower people and do it in a real, honest, meaningful way, that continues to inspire me. And when I can do things that I put it out in the world and people feel it and they get excited and then I get to feed back on that and that's like a real loop that is part of why I keep going you know what I mean like there are times when you feel like you're just sitting in a void and especially with the internet especially with the isolation that's been happening to be able to find out that the things that I do actually matter for people's mental health for their well-being for their self-confidence and beyond definitely so when when I'm able to to drink that, that's it, it. It's part of what what makes me resilient, you know, and to keep going. That's excellent, and I love hearing that. Essentially, you're the, the queen of pivots, if you will. Yes. You told me you pivoted from wholesale to um, direct to consumer to online retail, and that making sure you have your your finger on the pulse of what your um, customers want, right, is always something that has helped fuel your passion and also getting that feedback. You mentioned kind of that feedback loop and also seeing the impact that your work, um, your jewelry, your your social justice, you know, positions, et cetera, the impact those things all have on the communities that you serve is something that helps you maintain your resilience. And I want to add something to that too, because I mentioned this earlier in your bio, that you are the president-elect of the your Goldman Sachs 10 KSB cohort, which I'm a member of. And what I want to also shout out about your resilience, Carrie, is that you also, not only are you a leader in your industry and the fashion world in various communities which you support the movements and are a part of, but you also are a leader in within the Goldman Sachs 10KSB cohort, and you had to also help others navigate the pandemic while you were navigating it too. And so I just want to point out that that was amazing. I brought the group together for conversations for you know when it was safe to meet up um, to try to figure out how we could help support each other. You were constantly sending out information to make sure people knew about opportunities, um, sharing in the good news, sharing in the bad news. And I really think that it was your leadership that really fueled kind of that, the, the car that kept us, that we were the bus we were all on as we were driving through and navigating this pandemic. And so I think that that's definitely a credit to you. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that during this podcast. Thank you so much, Molly. Absolutely. And so look, these, you know, there are good times, there are bad times. And one of the things that I love about the community of entrepreneurs and also this podcast is that we are this this community here of listeners and what we do here is to make sure that people can learn, right? And so are there any is there any mistake that you made that you want to prevent others from making? 
Yes. Okay. So this was the question that I focused on the most when I was preparing for this. <laughs> and I, cause I've made a lot of mistakes as we all do. We all have. Some of them we can learn from each other, but some of them we have to make ourselves. But I think the most important thing that it's, it's so annoying and no one wants to hear it, but do not make any financial decisions without having a plan. And like a full <laughs> spreadsheet with budgets, with, 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 you know, coming up with, with projections, with all, you got to go deep into that stuff. And especially with like the PPP, with these idle loans, with all of this stuff, different stuff. I know that from Ida, there's been a lot of government assistance, which is coming in the form of loans, which I have, um, I don't personally feel good about. I feel like if the government was actually assisting us, they would just give us more grants. Understand that this is the, you know, we are are the the things that keep the economy going. Um, and small businesses are like most of our economy. But that if we're getting money, if if we're making money, if we're about to spend money, you have to have a plan. And, you know, I talked to friends who are thinking about starting up businesses and, and they're like, yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm like, okay, so where's your plan? Like, or have you written this down? I'm like, no, you know, I don't, I don't want to write it down. Like, that's just so much work. I'm like, yeah, bub, like that is, that's the key (laughs) right there. You know, I mean, you can just go, why just go flush some money down the toilet because (laughs) this is an investment, you know? So I think the most important thing is to have a plan, especially, especially in the case of finances. Have a plan, avoid the mistake of not having a plan when you're talking, when there's money on the table. Yeah. And you know, I always like to end with a saying my mom used to always say, which is each one teach one. And so I would love for you to suggest a book, a song, a course, a program, or something for our listeners to walk away with. Okay. So I actually have been listening to uh, a friend and colleague, Jade Cataprada. She's a comedian. Um, Brazilian comedian, and she has a podcast that she gets really impersonal and insightful on her journey as a female comedian in the industry. And she makes me laugh. She makes me cry. I talk to the, to the speaker the whole time. And she shouted me out on her podcast. So I want to shout her out. She's super supportive of other females. And I think the thing that's so inspiring and exciting about her and other female leaders that I talked to today, these days, is that we are starting to understand that there's not just room for one, there's room for many. And the second that we open up the space and allow people and help lift each other up, that we have a party and that's where our strength is. And that is the way that we can overcome the patriarchy. (laughs) My favorite (laughs) conversation in the whole world is overthrowing the patriarchy. I truly think that we can empower each other, create space for each other. And so, yeah, so Jade Cataprada, her, her podcast is called Jaded. It's on iTunes, on Spotify, on all the on all the platforms. I love it when there's not just room for one, there's room for many. 
And then when we all work together, we have a party. I can't think of a better way to wrap up our podcast. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, wow, what what an amazing, amazing, amazing episode. So many jewels, so many gems that you shared with us. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Damali. I love you so much. And I'm constantly inspired by you. You really give me so much strength and so much joy. And I just adore you. And I am grateful that I get to know you. Oh, likewise. I feel exactly the same. And I just think this is just the beginning. We there, we still have so many more, so much more to do and so many more pivots to make, right? Yes, As we absolutely. continue to navigate the world. And so thank you so much to our audience for tuning in. I am your host, Damali Peterman. It's great to be joined by Carrie Morrissey of ISLI NYC. And this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Breakthrough ADR. That's the at sign, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, capital A, capital D, capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.